Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. And one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America, where we come together, look at what is going on, and look at it in the light of the Word of God so that we can have courage to save this nation. That's what we're going to do, and uh, our reading tonight from the prophet Isaiah is going to reflect that, and we're going to talk about uh, the way in which the other side is trying to imprison President Trump, but it's not what you might think when you hear those words. I want to explain that to you, plus a few other comments on some of the uh, things going on at our present time. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 61, because Jesus is going to tell us his summary of what his mission is, and that's going to inform, of course, our work for the greatness of America. <clears throat> Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give to them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Let us pray. Father in heaven, for many ages you prepared the world which labored under the burden of the kingdom of Satan, of sin, and of death. You prepared the world for the coming of the Savior, he came to set us free. Lord God, He came to take those who were oppressed and not just give them a message of consolation, but to give them liberation. Lord, we face tyranny in America today. It is no less a reality than what our founders declared independence from and fought vigorously based on unchanging principles and self-evident truths that they declared in the Declaration of Independence. Independence from tyranny, independence from slavery, independence from oppression. Lord God, free us today. Help us first of all to properly understand what is going on today, 
to properly understand the clothing in which oppression dresses itself today. Help us to understand where this is rooted politically and help us to use the tools our founders gave us to keep tyranny far away. Enable us to educate our children in the meaning of freedom and to help them discern the difference between being free and being enslaved. Help them not only to discern the difference, but to learn the ways by which we preserve our freedom. We ask all this through the one who liberates us, the only Savior of the world, the Lord of all nations, Jesus Christ. Amen. So do you feel that you can say Merry Christmas? Let me know in the comments. Have we... You remember when President Trump was first campaigning back in 2015? We're going to say Merry Christmas again, he said. We're going to come against this political correctness and we're going to make sure believers in America have absolutely no apprehension of, of expressing their faith in public. Have we, I think things have improved greatly, at least in my own experience and what I hear from others. What do you think? Have we, able, have we come to the point where we should be? Do we have more to go? We can say Merry Christmas, you know, and it, it, I, I saw this piece by Judge Napolitano recently. I, I wanted to bring it to your attention, talking about the First Amendment. You know, our, our, our ability to, to express our faith is key to the greatness of America. I remember Ben Stein, some years ago, quite a few years ago, uh, wrote, a, wrote a column. And he said, look, there's all this, this, this concern that saying Merry Christmas is going to be offensive to those who don't believe in Christ. He says, I'm a Jew. He says, and, and, and I, feel, I feel blessed. I feel uh, 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 good when my fellow uh, Americans who are Christians say Merry Christmas to me. They're wishing me goodwill. I don't take any offense at that, and neither should anybody else. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Now, the First Amendment by which we are able to express our faith is called, Judge Napolitano points out, a little, a, little, a little fact you may not have thought of. The word the, the founders called it the freedom of speech to indicate that this exists prior to the First Amendment. It, the First Amendment articulates, in other words, a pre-existing right. <clears throat> it exists prior to America. The right to life is the same thing. Not given by government. It's not created by government. It's created by the Creator. He's the one that gives us our human rights by giving us our humanity. The First Amendment <clears throat> is, a, is a, a, a freedom of speech, is a key provision, bedrock provision, integral and essential, to our American uh, form of government. But that's because it's integral and essential to our human nature, our human dignity, our conscience. And that's what predates and supersedes, if you will, transcends any particular provision of human beings in uh, government. You know, there was a Supreme Court decision in 1969, Bradenburg, Brandenburg rather, versus Ohio, uh, a, a very, very strong affirmation that uh, speech is absolutely protected. Now, speech that is innocuous, in other words, you're not talking about telling someone right at that moment to do some, some act of violence that is imminent. That is wrong. But whenever there's time for more speech to come and challenge 
speech that might be wrong, hateful, inaccurate, well then, the speech is, 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 is protected. And the way against inaccurate speech, false speech, speech that, if you follow it, is going to lead us down the wrong road, what our founders envisioned, and what human nature itself requires, is that you counteract bad speech with more good speech. You counteract for somebody who says two and two is ten, and we're getting more and more into that, that realm these days with the absurdity coming from the left. They discard reason altogether. Well, to counteract speech that says two and two is ten, you don't make it illegal to say it. <clears throat> you come along and you prove the opposite. You demonstrate by your speech that the speech of the other person is wrong. The solution is not to suppress it. And here we see also not only our human nature kicking in, but the Christian nature that we have. Jesus Christ came to free the oppressed. He came to open our mouths. I believed, therefore I spoke, the scriptures say. <clears throat> Jesus is the Word. What are we about to celebrate at Christmas? God spoke a word eternally. And that word became flesh. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? What happened at Pentecost? Tongues as a fire appeared, parted, and rested on their heads, and they were given boldness of speech. What does the Acts of the Apostles tell us? As the apostles gathered together and prayed, they went out and they spoke with boldness and then they came back, thanked God for the opportunity to do that, even thanked Him for the suffering they experienced because they did that and then they prayed for more boldness. They didn't pray to, to, to oh, let, let's make sure we don't say what we're not supposed to say. Let's make sure we don't say what's going to get us in trouble. That's the way too many Christians pray today. They got together and they prayed after they had been scourged for speaking. They prayed, Lord, give us continued boldness. In speaking. So I appreciate that. Um, let me just, just uh, one quote from John Stuart Mill here. If all mankind, all mankind minus one, were of one opinion, and only one person were of the contrary opinion, mankind would be no more justified in silencing that one person than he, if he had the power, would be justified in silencing mankind. A good reflection on the First Amendment. Now, speaking of that, speaking of that, I'm going to get on to a few other miscellaneous things uh, in another moment. President Trump, these fake charges, these baseless indictments, this twisting of the law, and a, you know, see what the left does. They go in and they dust off laws that that haven't been applied in, in decades or centuries and, and, and try to fit a square peg into a round hole and apply some of these statutes to situations that they, their crafters never envisioned. It's just so absurd. And it so speaks of the desperation of the other side vis-a-vis -vis Donald J. Trump, whom they're so afraid is going to be our 47th president. Dick Morris called what I'm about to explain to you the most incredible imposition on democracy imaginable. Now, he's an experienced man. He's an insightful man about politics. 
And for him to say that something is the most incredible imposition on democracy imaginable means we ought to pay attention. What am I referring to? The trials that have begun uh, in regard to these indictments of President Trump, you see the news stories of him sitting in uh, the courtroom. Now, some of the cases brought against him are, in fact, uh, on the federal level. Some are on the state level. There is a federal rule. It's called the Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 43 that says that the defendant needs to be in the courtroom. So you see where I'm going with this. They dust off old laws. They twist them into a pretzel. It's beyond recognition. People like Alan Dershowitz saying they've never seen anything like this in 60 years of practicing uh, law. They've never seen such inappropriate, absurd <clears throat> efforts at prosecution. And so they, 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 they invent these things. And it's election interference. It's election interference because the, polit the top uh, 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 political figure on the left in the Democrat Party is targeting the top political figure who's his opponent, President Trump, using the mechanisms of government to do so. But how does this interfere with the election? Well, apparently it isn't working in terms of people changing their opinion about Trump himself. They don't see him as a wrongdoer. They see him as a victim. They see him as a, a, a target of something that's very un-American, going after a person in search of a crime, Marxist, Leninist style. And they say, well, wait a minute, this is not, this is not right. And, and, it, and that sense of fairness in the American people transcends at least for a lot of people, most people, their, their political loyalties. And they say, well, look, I, I'm an American. I, 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 even if people who wouldn't have President Trump as their first choice see this and understand this, they'll rally around him and are rallying around him because they believe in the American system of justice, not the Leninist Marxist system. But here, so that part of it isn't working. It's not staining his reputation. Here's the point, right here, is keeping him off the campaign trail. This at least is what they want to accomplish, that as these trials progress, he's got to be reporting at least most days of the week. It would likely not have, you know, it would likely be a Monday to Thursday scenario, right? But he's got to be in the, sitting in the courtroom all day. Where should he be in February, in March? in April, in May, in June. The primary season, at its height, he should be out campaigning. Now, I think he'll be the, the Republican nominee for all practical purposes by the beginning of March. Super Tuesday is March 5th. I think he's going to have this, this wrapped up. But the point is, he's running for president. Now, people talk a lot about and speculate a lot about Will President Trump be thrown into jail? Uh, let me tell you, if they actually try that, which of course there's a possibility of, it's going to be something the American people have never seen before in terms of people showing up with him. But that's beside the point here. It's not so much about going physically into a jail. 
If the other side can keep him locked up in a courtroom, and again, Dick Morris in his commentary was speaking about this over the weekend. If they can keep him locked up in a courtroom, what's the difference? They want to keep him off the campaign trail. And keeping him in a courtroom is less dramatic than actually throwing him in jail, less provocative of a response from his supporters, you know, tens of thousands of people surrounding the jail, for example. They're achieving the same thing. And it's interesting to look at this federal rule. Let me, let me read what, what rule, Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 43 says. The defendant must be present at every trial stage, including jury impanelment and the return of the verdict. All right, so this is what the left is trying to accomplish. Now, are there exceptions to this? Yes. There are certain exceptions to this. And let's say the defendant just chooses not to show up. Apparently, in that situation, the court simply has to decide what to do. Do they apply, in fact, an exemption at that point, saying, okay, well, the trial has already begun, the defendant was here, he's chosen not to show up, we're going to let the trial continue and without the defendant here. Or the court can take some other route and try to, to punish the defendant. The point is, we're in uncharted territory because if you're going to have any exceptions at all to the, to the uh, obligation of a defendant to be in the courtroom, you would think that maybe the unprecedented fact that this person now is the candidate for president of a major Republican part uh, of a major political party in America, that that would be a reason for the court to say, "Wait a minute! If in fact in this case we enforce Procedure 43, the risk of the damage to the country is precisely that we're going to be seen as." weaponizing government. Now, I'm not saying the left is going to care at all about that, that the Democrats are going to care at all about that. I'm saying the courts might, you might be able to find a judge or two who's going to care about that, to say, well, wait a minute, it's too, it's too blatant here, it's too obvious. Let the trial continue. Let it be conducted in what they think is a fair way. I mean, the very existence of the trial is, is, is unfairness. But let it continue. And let him campaign for president. Let the voters ultimately decide. And see, that's the point we've been making all along. Prosecutors shouldn't be deciding elections. Juries shouldn't be deciding elections. Courts shouldn't be deciding elections. There's no reason for this trial to be happening now. The witnesses aren't going anywhere. The defendant's not going to flee the country. He's running for president of the country. It's absolutely absurd to think he's going to flee and disappear. There's no imminent harm being done. For the trial not to happen. They waited long enough already. You're talking about things that happened in 2020 and before? Come on. So it's, it's so uh, such obvious blatant election interference. Now, one of the things that uh, Dick and his um, uh, listeners the other day were talking about. So President Trump is in the courtroom. Primary season is in, is in high gear. 
if he can't campaign, oh, of course he can campaign close by in the evening, but then he would have also Friday, Saturday, Sunday to travel. But brothers and sisters, what about this? And Biden might want to consider, Biden and his cronies over there on the left might want to consider this point and lay off this uh, pressing on this uh, obligation to be present for the following reason. This can backfire for them in such a big way. Imagine President Trump coming out of the courtroom each day and uh, going, on to, going by video onto big screens at rallies in all different cities and saying on the big screen to the rally, my fellow Americans, you are seeing right before your eyes the clear evidence of everything I've been telling you. The election interference to the point that I am not even able to be physically with you, and then behind him you see a courtroom, is because I'm on trial by my political opponents. This is not America. These are Leninist tactics. You see it right before your eyes now, and your vote is going to determine whether America is going to keep going down this path or change direction in the direction of what the founders established. This can be powerful. This can be powerful. And uh, brothers and sisters, the other side better think this through very carefully, how much they're going to press as the campaign season intensifies, how much they want to press keeping this man confined in a courtroom. So there was a White House revolt. Final point I want to make here tonight. You saw this anonymous letter to President Biden and Vice President Harris, the clowns over there in, uh, in the White House. More than 40 of these White House interns write an anonymous letter Anonymous, a lot of courage there, as my friend Gary Bauer points out. Objecting, <coughs> excuse me, but objecting to Biden's support for Israel and demanding that he reverse his position. Now Biden is doing everything he can to restrain Israel, and he shouldn't be doing that, by the way. Can you imagine someone trying to tell the United States after 9/11, "Hey, just you know, restrain yourselves." It's, it, proportionally to the population, is like 20 9-11s on the same day for, for, for Israel. You don't tell a nation it can't defend itself. You don't tell a nation to restrain itself in, 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 in defending its people against blatant terrorism. Um, you can always rely on Senator John Kennedy in Louisiana to make a, a, an effective just with the right amount of sarcasm, commentary on what's going on. And so these, uh, these young people writing this letter, uh, let, me, let me read a little bit of it first and I'll show you what J uh, Senator Kennedy said. Our decision to intern for your administration was driven by our shared values and the profound belief that under your leadership America has the potential to be a nation that stands for justice and peace. Nonetheless, the ongoing violence, now you get this phrase here, the ongoing violence perpetrated, or perpetuated rather, by the Israeli government, as well as the ongoing dehumanizing rhetoric targeting Muslims and Arabs, 
has promoted a wave of massive violence and tragedies. Now, is there something wrong with my glasses here that's blocking out maybe a sentence about how barbaric and unacceptable uh, is the behavior of the people that started all this conflict? Let's see. The people who use innocent people as human shields, the people who hide in hospitals and schools, and um, they use human shields. They don't care. Hamas is responsible for the violence here against Israelis and against citizens, whoever they are, wherever they are. What, what, why, why are these, why are these interns? talking about perpetuation of violence by the Israeli government. Why are they criticizing the response to terrorism more than the terrorism itself? Here's Senator Kennedy. We now know that many of our young people believe in diversity, equity, inclusion, and the right to kill Jews. And they don't see the inconsistency of that. I would call all of my interns in and tell them, I'm sorry they're upset. They should go buy an emotional support pony. But they're fired. Nothing more needs to be said about that. We, 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 this is just, we'll leave it at that. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer and ask Him for His Spirit to enlighten and convert people across our nation. Lord God, starting in the White House. With the man in the Oval Office, with the interns too cowardly to use their names, with people on college campuses all across our land, with just misguided, misinformed, deluded, and deceived people who can't name terrorism and, and put the blame where it belongs, we ask for your spirit. Lord, we, we, we hear commentary on the news. We see what's going on, but we need to pray. And we ask the Holy Spirit to descend upon these people. We ask the light of Christ to descend into the darkness of what is going on in our nation, what is going on in the minds of these interns, in the minds of the professors and students on the campuses where no doubt many of these interns have, have studied. Help us, Lord, because Whatever is going on is not enough. We need the light of your spirit. Lord God, we also pray your spirit over these proceedings happening with President Trump. Lord God, we ask you to simply bring these proceedings to an end because right from their very initiation, they are wrong. Right from their very inception, they are unconstitutional. The other side wants to talk about laws and rules and the defendant needing to be in the courtroom. Lord, they're just practicing election interference, and we ask you to and continue to enable our fellow citizens to see right through what is going on here, to see right through it, see it exactly for what it is, and to rise up and to voice their objections. Lord God, we ask you to bless President Trump and his team with wisdom. They're going to campaign no matter what, and if they have to use a dramatic setting whereby the very act of campaigning in a courtroom prison reveals the evil that's going on, well then, Lord, let it be revealed that way. 
We ask your wisdom on, on his team. And his team, Lord, is broader than simply his political campaign and his advisors. His team is us, all of us. And we ask for your continued wisdom and strength. Give voice to our tongues. And therefore, Lord, we conclude here as we began, thanking you for the, the freedom of speech the freedom of speech, which transcends and predates any constitution, declaration, or government, any human authority, no human authority, grants us freedom of speech or takes it away. Rather, it is granted by you, and it is part of our human dignity, and it is also part of our Christian duty. We believe, therefore, we speak. Continue, Lord, to make us bold as your apostles were in speaking truth and especially in speaking truth to power. In speaking truth to enable our children and grandchildren to embrace the gift of freedom and to defend it against tyranny in every generation. And may your spirit finally, in preserving all these gifts, preserve in us the awareness and the commitment to the dignity and sanctity of every human life. Because Lord, if we can't see the dignity in a little baby, the rights in a little child and the wrong of doing violence to that child no matter what the rationale then we're not going to be able to see right versus wrong in anything else purify our consciences so that we may no longer justify violence against the child simple as that bless us lord now as we pray in the very words that jesus taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for joining me on Praying for America. Spread the word about these programs. And uh, let's follow up on everything that we talk about here. Share these videos and bring other people in. And let's win these elections in 2024 and make America great again. Thanks, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.